Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to another episode of 30 Minutes with DailyStraits.com. This is your host, June Romby. Our guest today is Chef Mel Alafasi, a Brisbane-based chef and author that is taking on the world, transforming unhappy domestic chefs who are frustrated and failing in their kitchens to confident, happy foodies. Her unique cooking style and culinary lingo has even experienced foodies adapting to her shortcut hacks in the kitchen, transforming everyday local produce into show-stopping meals. Best of all, she loves upcycling seasonal produce and budget basics into sensational masterpieces, boasting that she can make any ingredient or plate of food look like a million bucks and more. So Mel loves to uh, cooking comes from her African roots. She lived in remote areas uh, in Zimbabwe and South Africa where cooking was her only source of entertainment. If she found a recipe book, there was no, um, if she found a recipe in a book, there was, uh, there were no shopping centers. So she had to improvise. This is where Mel learned to do amazing things with basic ingredients. She loves to make things look more expensive than they really are. With one cookbook published and another two on the way, our chat with uh, Mel today, Chef Mel today, is going to be revolved around how to cook uh, and save thousands of dollars of, uh, on groceries, plus other chefy tips. Without further ado, let's welcome Chef Mel to the show. Hello, Chef Mel. Thank you so much for joining us today. How are you? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very, very excited indeed. <laughs> awesome. So let's dive right into the question. So let's get the ball rolling with some top tips from you on um, how to store uh, groceries efficiently uh, in order to extend its shelf life. Now, this is a very important part, and I'm a chef, but I'm also a mother, and I run a very busy household with two of my teenagers. Um, so one of the most important things that I don't think we get taught is um, how to actually store our pantry ingredients uh, well. And that sounds terribly boring, but even though it sounds terribly boring, it is going to save you a heap of money every year, and you'll be able to spend that on other things. So, um, you know, when we buy in bulk, uh, if something's on sale, things like olive oil, flour, um, nuts and spices, these things all have a shelf life. And I don't think we, we realize that if we start cooking with spices that might be four or five years old, and people do tend to hang on to their spices, um, your food is not going to be tasting sexy or fresh anymore. So you'll see a decline in your enjoyment of the meals and people just don't realize they might be using a stale olive oil. So, um, you know, a stale olive oil can ruin a dish. And, you know, I, I've got a cooking school and I serve up to 350 people a week. I can, I can buy the big four liters of olive oil. But if you live in a smaller household and you're buying oil in bulk, I always say have a little sniff before you cook because if it smells old and rancid, and this goes for nuts and spices as well, if it smells old and rancid, it's not lying to you. It is old and rancid. You need to re-gift it immediately to someone um, else or throw it away and get yourself some fresh stuff. You really deserve it. So 
Um, storing things like flour and nuts, like pine nuts, macadamia nuts, in your fridge or freezer is going to give you so much more shelf life. I've actually got a, a, a tray in my freezer where I have all my pine nuts, macadamia nuts, flour, baking powder, and, um, you know, I'm in Queensland, so it's hotter here. And I get so many more months out of my ingredients and I think that's why I call myself the happy chef is because I know I'm saving money. Awesome. So can you tell us, right, uh, some uh, top chefy skills on how to remember what we have in our pantry and use it before this shelf life expires? Because sometimes we tend to buy too many things and yes. then we dump it in the, uh, in the pantry and we forget about it. And then when we want to use it, it's already expired. So do you have like a system that you use that, you know, because um, this could also save you potentially a lot of money. Yeah, you, you've right on point there because often I'll go to the shop and I haven't made an active list and then I'll go, oh, I'm sure I need more of this. And then I come home and I've got seven, you know, and, and then I'll have to cook with that. So, so yes, organizing your pantry and having those regular clean outs and no one likes to clean, but to be honest, if you're not feeling in control of your pantry, if you know that your spice drawer is a disaster and your pantry, you're not going to enjoy cooking every night family meals and you're certainly not going to want to entertain. So I always say, you know, set some time aside, get in there, organize it. You're going to feel so clever and so uncluttered afterwards. You're going to have this new energy about you. You're going to be wanting to cook more and you'll also be more in control of what you need to do so get in there give it a clean out organize it i've got different sec sections in my pantry i've got you know quick grab items that i use all the time i've got the um you know the things that i don't use too often i've got my section in the freezer and the fridge that i use as part of my pantry so being organized and then having a grocery list where um you know if my husband uses the last you know, whatever tin of passata, he will put it on our family grocery list. Um, because I tend to buy in bulk, so I don't have to go to the shop every time. Because if I have to go to the shop every time, then I'm tempted to buy the naughty things that I don't need. So yes, be organized, get in there, clean it out, know what you have, and then you will have that lovely fresh feeling and you'll enjoy cooking so much more because you're organized in the pantry. Alrighty, so now let's go to the shopping tips. So how does one shop like a chef and grab the bargains and actually know what to do with them? Like, you know, sometimes we buy stuff and we don't know what to cook with it. You know, we are, we are at such an advantage in this day and age. First of all, you know, if you're shopping strategically, and I always say, you know, I said about the shopping list. If you've got cauliflower on your shopping list, and you go to the, the market or to the supermarket and cauliflowers for some reason. And remember, we had the lettuce um, saga as well. Say lettuce or uh, cauliflower is just too expensive. I buy something else. I buy fresh seasonal produce that is preferably, um, you know, on bargain or on the sale rack. And then we, are, we can actually go to the internet and you can plug in a sweet potato recipe or cauliflower recipe and all this amazing information is at your fingertips to make you a more strategic shopper and, um, you know, chef. So if I buy something that is remarkably beautiful, fresh and seasonal and on sale and I buy a lot of it, then I plan my meals around that. But 
you you need to have fun doing it as well because you know my family love trying new things and it's amazing how you can rehash the same ingredient 10 different times by using a different um recipe like a thai recipe or a french recipe it might be the same ingredient but if you throw a different style at it you'll be amazed on how creative and versatile you can be so shop like a chef and uh shop for bargains and seasonal and you will save yourself a lot of time and have fun along the way okay so what's the best way to devise a meal plan that consists at least of um, mix and match recipes that is quick and easy to make so everybody has like you know limited time these days they're doing so many things but they also need to eat healthy so what is yeah. your top advice for that well again it's going to be organized so um i always say you know sometimes on a sunday i allocate an hour to cook bulk cooking for the week so i've got two teenagers and a husband sometimes they're all at home sometimes they're out at work or at school Um, I myself work from my home office. So if I don't have something organized for a meal, I'm going to jump to something naughty um, and, you know, that I actually didn't want to eat. So setting aside the time to actually bulk cook or, um, you know, cook something like mince or um, chicken or, uh, you know, even veggies and then bulk cook it because you're cooking anyway. You may as well cook some extra and then keep some for a meal for tomorrow and then maybe even freeze some. So that is where I like to be, um, you know, clever with my, my cooking is cook a little bit extra. And every time I cook, I cook some extra so that when someone comes to me and says, oh, I'm hungry, I don't have to run around. It's in the freezer. It's in the fridge. And I've got really nice little containers that make it fun and easy for me to do that. So, so planning. And then, like I said, the bulk cooking is, is the way to go because then on a Saturday or Sunday night when you don't feel like it, instead of grabbing, you know, your app, and ordering something takeout and spending so much money, you can go to the freezer and you've got a healthy meal. So, so the meal, when it comes to the meal plan, so that's the strategy around cooking, but meal plans, you need to have a set of recipes and meals that you are confident and excited to cook. And it helps you to be versatile if you can have success at cooking one dish. So for example, if you, if you know that you can confidently cook something, it becomes not a task, but it becomes something enjoyable that you can do. So if you're not very confident in the kitchen, what I recommend is you master one skill, rehash that a few times, change the spices, change the accompaniments, and you'll change the dish. And then when you are so confident with that one and you're getting tired of it, then it's time to say, okay, I'm ready for a new challenge. You try to do that, you get the information on how you can do it better, and then you keep cooking that one as well. And eventually, over a few weeks, you'll have this amazing repertoire of dishes that you can uh, rehash and make versatile. So I love mix and match cooking. Awesome. So that's a great segue to the next question. So I actually said a lot of people spend thousands of dollars on takeaways because they cannot cook. You know, they've tried many times, the dish has gone like, you know, haywire. So um, for these people, right, what advice do you have for them? Because they give up, they tend to give up after, you know, first the dish goes bad the first time. Yeah. And that's understandable because your confidence, if you do a dish and it's an absolute train wreck or a disaster, your confidence levels go way down. And that's, that is quite um, distressing. So 
I always say start with the simple things, you know, start somewhere basic, really get that right. And, you know, there's so many recipes available to us for free on the internet. You can even have a look at the video and cook along with someone. That's a really nice way to do it. And then, like I said, once you've got that skill and you've enjoyed it and you've, you know, you've really got your confidence up here, also at the same time, save some of that, put it in the freezer, have it identified so you know what's in there because if you're throwing stuff in the freezer and you're not cleaning it out three years later you're going to find a big surprise in there it's nice to know you know what you've got in there things like bulk cooking uh, mince is is a really good and it's boring you know and people think mince is boring but in my family i can do a bolognese bolognese style mince or a mexican style mince or i can do a curried mince i can serve some for the dinner tonight and then I can pop it in the freezer. And then when Saturday night comes along and I just don't feel like cooking, I can bring that mince out and I can rehash it like with um, some corn chips and some sour cream, some fresh chili. And I can make, you know, a, a Mexican goodie bowl or a burrito or something like that. But I've got the mince already cooked or a slow cooked beef. And when I do a slow cooked um, or pressure cooked uh, lamb shoulder or pork shoulder or pulled pork or something like that, that's fabulous as well. That's my other favorite other than mince because you can cook it in bulk and you can just rehash it with so many different accompaniments, you know, so you can make it Mexican by adding some Mexican spice, some corn chips, some sour cream and salsa and chili. You can make it, um, you know, Italian by adding the Italian herbs and then you can serve it with pasta or uh, polenta or something like that. So I love taking one style of cooking or one ingredient like mince or pulled pork, and then we change the flavors, and your family won't know you're rehashing the same dish. It's very exciting once you start learning how to lie and cheat your way through uh, menu planning. <laughs> awesome. So as a chef, right, uh, you know, chefs are known to follow the recipe to the tea. But for like amateur cooks from the home, they uh, sometimes, you know, uh, the ingredients in the recipes are hard to find, like, you know, or it's too expensive. So how does one substitute expensive or difficult ingredients in a recipe? What would your advice be for that? Well, this is about to become your superpower because knowing how to substitute something in a recipe that you just don't have is going to come in very handy and you will, you'll become more confident with making those recipes your own. And then, you know, if it says something like saffron and you just don't have saffron, you can actually Google saffron alternatives and things like turmeric will come up, you know, and then you don't have to feel so bad about it that you're leaving out, um, you know, saffron. But those types of ingredients don't always have to make or break the dish. So you can, within reason, substitute uh, one ingredient for the other. And that's when you become very creative and that's when you start enjoying cooking. Is if you see a recipe and they say uh, tomato passata and you don't have any tomato passata, but you you have five or six tomatoes in your fridge that are just about to die. Those tomatoes in your fridge that are so overripe, those are the best tomatoes to put in your food processor, blend it down, and you've got your own tomato passata or pulp. So um, substituting, I, I think, is a great uh, skill to have. But use your use your research. You know, just Google what can I use instead of that, and you will you will see that there are quite a few different things and, and lots of advice out there. Awesome. So Chef Mel, let's talk about you right now. So, yes. 
So you've got a very interesting background. So I just wanted to ask you, right, what made you want to become a chef? Because it's a very competitive industry. So what was yes. the pull factor? Well, you know, um, like you said, when you introduced me, I grew up in Zimbabwe on a ranch out in the middle of literally nowhere. And uh, my entertainment, you know, I had no big shopping center or Netflix or anything. My entertainment uh, was was cooking. So on the farm, I had access to, you know, fresh dairy and I had, you know, we had most things in our pantry. So I could, uh, you know, take a recipe and bake and cook and things like that. And I had this lovely access to fresh local produce. But where I became a chef was that I went to boarding school and um, when I was in boarding school, it was a very unfriendly environment and we didn't get fed very well and I was the smallest I think I was seven when I went to boarding school and they used to steal my food it's a terrible story and um, so I used to go home on the weekends and cook things for myself to take to boarding school so that I could you know have rusks and biscuits and stuff in my my little cupboard so that I could survive so I think early on I became this um, uh, thrifty chef where I would go home I would try things out I would cook them and then I actually enjoyed cooking and my parents and my family enjoyed, you know, what I was making. So um, I, I actually cooked family meals from quite an early um, age because I, I just enjoyed it. So when I finished high school and, you know, my career counselor said to me, what would you like to do? My only, you know, they, they said maybe psychology because, you know, I had the points for that, but I, I just said cooking. And then I studied as a chef and I, I hit the, the, the kitchens with all my enthusiasm and all my passion. And uh, they literally almost killed that passion completely because the, the real kitchens are a very unfriendly, very stressful environment. And I just wasn't built for that. I'm built for, you know, talking and um, teaching and happiness and, you know, air conditioning as well. <laughs> So um, back in 2000, when I had worked as a, a restaurant and a commercial chef for only four years, I actually left the industry completely. I became an area manager for a, um, a big uh, global catering company. And I was, you know, running um, staff and uh, I was running finances. And then I was missing the actual food. So in 2001, I quit my job uh, back in South Africa and I started my first cooking school. Uh, in Durban, in Westville, and I did that for eight years, and then I immigrated to Australia 14 years ago and started Vanilla Zulu, and um, I think, I actually think in cooking, it's my first thought in the morning and my last thought at night, so yes, I am definitely, this is my calling, I am <laughs> built for teaching and, um, uh, you know, eating and also just sharing my shortcuts and hacks and tricks so that other people can be as happy and as confident in the kitchen as what I am. So, yes, I think I was always destined to become a chef. <laughs> awesome. So, okay, so this is another question for you. Everyone is in the food business these days. So uh, if someone is inspiring to become a chef like you, how does that person stand out? You know, it's taken me it's taken me 20 something years as a chef to decide what my speciality is, what makes me different from other chefs. And you know, some people might find that earlier, but because I was teaching classic French cooking, I was teaching those, you know, like a like if you had to enroll in a chef's course, I was teaching that kind of content 
and it's pretty much the same globally. It took me quite a while to find my own unique style, which is happy, colorful food with lots of flavor, color, and texture. And I found that my food was lovely and, and happy, and that's my style. Um, also, quickies. I like you know cooking something that is quick and easy. I'm not one of those chefs who is designed to stand in the kitchen and strain stocks and soups and put things through strainers and double bake and do that kind of thing. I just do not have the attention span. And so I like the quick, easy, lazy, colorful, flavorsome dishes that look pretty on a plate but taste amazing as well. So um, I think that's how I stand out is I know, I know what my food is. And that's a fantastic, um, you know, point to get to is when you do know who you are and what you're about. Okay, great. So finally, as a chef, right, how does one constantly update their cooking skills? Well, social media is fantastic because we get so much inspiration and, and that's where I get excited and that's what I love to do with cooking is um, I used to love that show, Ready, Steady, Cook, and I would love to be on that show. I might even do a, a version of it myself is when my friends come to my house or I go to their house and I, they say, Mel, I've got nothing to eat. And then I go to their fridge and I can cook a seven-course degustation just from what they've got in the fridge. Um, because I've got the basic cooking skills, so I know how to braise, I know how to bake, I know how to stir-fry, and all successfully. So when I go and I see an ingredient, for me, it's easy because I've got the skills to back it up. And that's why I was saying earlier, you've got to master little skills along the way so that when you do need to update your um, cooking or you're sick of your own cooking, you've got some skills, uh, even like stir frying. Uh, and, and stir frying is a skill. Most people can't stir fry. Most people just get a big soggy mess of liquid coming out of their stir fries. And that's just a cooking method go, gone wrong. Or they, they're cooking mince and all the liquids coming out the mince and they're blaming the butcher. They're saying, oh, the butcher pumped this full of liquid. And I say to them, no, no, it's, it's actually your fault. You're stirring the mince in a cold pan. So, you know, cooking methods like, um, searing a steak or cooking mushroom mince, you know, if you're vegan, um, or cooking a beef mince if you're if you're um, you know still eating meat. These these things, little successes like knowing how to make a sticky Asian style stir fry and how to cook a successful steak. These are the skills you need to get, and that's what I teach. So um, you know, when the people blame their butcher for all this meat coming, uh, liquid coming out of their meat. I teach them my principles of backing away from the pan and keeping the heat up in the pan. So I keep the pan swear word hot. And when that sizzle is in the pan, you should be getting a nice brown uh, Maillard reaction on the meat. And that's where you win the race because that's flavor. So if you put cold meat into a cold pan and now you stir, like, you know, a lot of people are compulsive stirrers, the meat is going to cry. It's <laughs> going to drop all of its liquid and you're going to be pouring all the beautiful flavor down the drain. And I say that's thro throwing the hope down the drain as well. So it's learning those uh, little tricks on how to make basic cooking just that much better. And um, that's what I like people to do is update their skills. Watch, um, you know, watch TV, watch social media, ask questions. If you like someone's dish and you went to their house, they would love to show you how to make it. People love it when you ask them, can I have the recipe? Because that to them is, is jealousy. It's, it's you wanting to be like them. Mm -hmm. So I always say if someone's asked you for the recipe, you have succeeded. 
Okay, that's great. So this has been a great chat and that's all the time that we have for today. Yes. We have just been speaking to Chef Mel Alafashi. Uh, thank you so much, Chef, for joining us today from Brisbane. Yes, and the pleasure is all ours. Be sure to join us the next time as we aim to interview another awesome entrepreneur uh, from across Australia. Thank you.